my god it's not just the, it's not just the sound effects it's the look on your face it's the combination of how pleased you are with yourself i, I know you spent know. a lot of freaking money bob <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! You all thought the old song was back. Nope. Bob, we have what our soccer fans would call a banger of an episode. That's right. A banger. I Why won't even... The topic? What? <laughs> I can't even say anything to that. You run with it. Is that like bangers and mash? No, that's like a, that's a really well-struck goal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Quiet quitting is like the new thing out there. I saw a 60 minutes piece on it. Can you believe that? So Bob and I tackle that. And I think you'll be surprised by what you think about it. So real, real issue or red herring. Ooh, tune in, not tune in, stay here and find out quite quitting. It's a lot of complaining, but not by who you think. I think it's complaining. It's a lot of complaining by the companies because they're cheap. Yeah. They yeah. don't want to pay people. They want people to do more and more and more and keep the pay the same. Like there was this thing that may have happened over the past year or so, like inflation. Did your pay get adjusted? No. My pay? No. No. In fact, neither did I or anybody else that I knew. Yeah. But. All the companies raised prices because inflation was going up. So then it became this common thing of like, we're all raising prices. So where did those extra revenue, or maybe you break even at that point, fine. But where did that go? There's a video that I'll include in the show notes. Yes, we'll actually include it. We have a tool that helps us with that. That shows a chart of productivity over the last, I think, 70 years, as it goes up and up and up and up versus the hourly wage rates. And Bob, do you think they stay in line nice and neatly, or do you think they diverge? I think they diverge. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. yeah. Quite uh, drastically. I, I don't mean this to turn into like an economic wine fest, but, but I, I will take us there a little bit. There, there is this notion in this country of the rich get richer and the poor get poor, right? I did see an article that during COVID, a surprising statement that said there were more millionaires during COVID that were formed. So here I am. This is a time where a lot of people are struggling, like a lot of working people are struggling. And here we're generating all or more and more billionaires too, right? There's more. So it's that separation of the haves and the have nots. And I agree with you. The, so the companies to me, right and the companies are the haves yeah and and even when they're struggling they're not really they're not really struggling so yeah so i agree i agree that that's part of the that's part of the whining um i there was a a guy of jp morgan what's his name jamie diamond came down to speak at unc and he was whining about getting people back in the office and it's like and then and jp morgan is one of those folks that are demanding people to come back into the office in the fintech sector 
and and I remember I, I saw someone at UNC, like one of the professors or whatever, was they were so excited that J, Jamie Dimon was was visiting them, and he's this sort of bellwether, this financial guru and bellwether, and he's been the CEO of J.P. Morgan for a long, long time. Uh, so so I mean, again, he's qualified, he's done a good job, I guess, for that. But it's someone who's totally disconnected from reality. So not only I think are the haves and the have-nots, and they're not they're whining about things and they want more, but also leaders are whining for control in general. I'll throw that, maybe that's it, an elephant on the table, that people working from home can't be controlled. Or there's a perception of they're out of my vision, so they're out of my control. What do you think right. about that? I think it's a little bit of that when I think back 20 years of hiring. The percentage of time that I've had to fight to get extra money to pay what I felt was a fair wage in the market, the percentage of that is at least 75%. So of the hundreds of people that I've hired, 75%, I've had to fight with finance or my boss or whatever budget or forecast we have to get people paid competitively. And these were good companies. These weren't evil people trying to undercut people and, and get them for as cheap as possible. It's just, it feels as if there's a general disconnect on what an appropriate wage is in the market and the number of places where they say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's out there. That's the big boys. That's in the job market. That's not us. And if you keep saying that, then you're just not going to be able to hire people. And that just seems like a losing strategy. So I don't understand how we can pull ourselves out of this until there's an understanding of what competitive wages really are out there and being willing to expect to get what you pay for. If you pay well and you interview well, which unfortunately many people don't do, then you might feel like, hey, I'm not getting what I'm paying for. But if you interview well and pay well, your team's going to be freaking rock stars. To be fair to, to companies or leaders, though, it is a moving target. When I look at, I've been out of the job market for like 12 years, the direct yeah. job market. And when I look at like CTOs and VPs equivalent, like what they're making now versus what I made when I left the job market. I'm astounded at the acceleration curve that was that's there, meaning the compensation has increased. And I'm not whining about that, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's a moving it's a moving target job. And it should be a moving target. I'm yeah. not, but it's, so part of that, part of the challenge is going to be it's a moving target, that you're going to have to fight for that. And then part of it, I think, a bigger part is folks who aren't willing to pay competitive wages. Yeah. They're not willing I, to step in. I view the it's a moving target as an excuse. It's not like it ever stopped or ever went down. Oh, as a leader, yeah. it's your job to make sure that you have planned to build the best team, whatever is appropriate for you. Maybe you're not willing to spend to be the best or maybe whatever you're required to do doesn't require the best of the best of the best. But so many places want that, but then are shocked at the sticker price when someone really good comes in and says, okay, cool. Well, yeah, this is, this is what I'm asking for. Yeah. But part of your, now I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate or I'm arguing with you, but and I'm not it's doing not this, 
but it's like you make annualized budgets. So the budget process, and you know that. So part of you, you're playing one side of the fence, and you know the other side of the fence that you form an annualized budget and you project for headcount. And suddenly, if you're paying 150%, you literally have less heads. So you have a choice to make too. You could go to the well and say, I need 100, I, I need, I need 50% more per headcount. Or you could convert your existing budget, and yeah. you don't want to do that. It's a moving, it's a moving target, but you could do that. So, so I, I have a very strong belief also that the concept of an annual budget is foolish, because how do you know, especially on that grand of a planning stage, how do you know what you need to know a year from now? It just it's it seems like a fallacy to expect to be able to produce something that has any reasonable chance of succeeding. I agree. A growing dynamic business. But you agreed to, again, one side is yes. The other side is you sat at a table with some pointy headed accountants and other senior leaders, and you put it together. You didn't jump up and throw the paper in their face or burn it and say, this is too volatile. I, I, I can't plan this way. I'm just hypothetically. I, I have you, have you burned them to uh, quarterly updates of a forecast. Okay. Yeah. So, so again, it's, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the effort that people have to do, right? Look at with minimum wage. I haven't been following minimum wage, but to right. me, one of the bigger atrocities is not technical wages. One right. of the bigger atrocities, bigger than this disconnect in technology that you're talking about is the freaking disconnect to what six dollars an hour or whatever or 750 when right. i do the math and i'm even pre-inflation josh yeah if you do the math i've always wondered how do people live and the answer is they don't they have two jobs and three jobs and they have to go for food stamps and things right now now i'm hearing that minimum wage or minimum entry wages are up around 15 dollars, 12 to 15 dollars because they can't people can't find workers maybe that's part of the answer and i think the quiet quitting is maybe to get the best of the best it's becoming competitive and maybe that's going to drive the salaries up to make them more equitable or fairer and i view to... the quiet quitting is very something as very something as very similar to those folks that are, that are choosing to work a couple jobs. So if I'm getting paid this much, I can give you that much because I got to find a way to make this much more. And so that might be a second job, which is going to take your eye and focus off of the primary job, which again, you're getting paid to do a job. And if you do the job and you do so, it hours, maybe then what's, what's the issue? Yep. I want to throw this out on the quiet quitting front. I think it's a red herring and I'll try to explain what I mean. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's leaders and people. So we were talking about whining. So mm -hmm. I think it's, I think quiet quitting is the new leadership. One of the new <laughs> leadership whining things like excuses for poor leadership. Yeah. It's a label. It's sexy. It's out there. People are talking about it. It's getting shared. I actually don't think it's new. I think it's always been there. Yeah. And I think there's always this case of if you if you suck as a leader and that that's the majority of leaders, if you don't have vision, if you don't care about people, if you force them to come into the office, if you don't pay them adequately, right? If you don't give them compelling work, 
if you don't mentor them and train them and care about them and establish relationships with them, then they disengage. They disengage. It doesn't mean they quit. They disengage. You haven't done. So it's an even, it's not about the quiet quitters. Let's, let's start talking about the, the, re, the drivers to quiet. If you want to talk about quiet quitting, and I don't even like that, it's right. a red herring. Let's talk about leaders doing their job, right? Amen. Are you leaders doing their job? And they're not. They're not. They're not. Like Jamie Dimon just demanding is not doing his job, right? It's, he's not meeting people where they are. He's not establishing relationships. Yeah, I saw, me. I wish I had this. I'll have to look for it so you can post a link. There was a CEO in Florida. It's, you can search for it. And I forget something, whatever she, it's a lady CEO in Florida. And she, it went viral that's, that she had an all hands meeting on Monday and she was demanding people come into the office to work during the hurricane. And wow. she said something, and she said something like, oh, the buildings are safe. And this was, she was doing this all hands meeting from a car as she was leaving Florida. That's amazing. <laughs> but this is, this is an example of, le she's the CEO for God. Come on, getting comped up the wazoo. Okay. This is, I'm not making this crap up. And so she's in a SUV, I think, getting, getting driven <laughs> out of the state. And she's telling people, and then she says, Josh, it gets better. She says, bring, and you'll, I think you'll like this, bring your kids and your dogs, your, your pets into work with you. We'll provide some fun activities so they could have some fun <laughs> while you're working over the in hurricane. A, yeah, in a hurricane. That's, exactly. Did uh, she fired like the next day? No, she's I no, she's gone quiet. She's gone underground because this went <laughs> viral. So something interesting is going to happen. But it's but that's what I'm so so if I worked for someone like that, would I quiet quit? Whatever that the hell that means. Would I disengage? Would I minimize what I do? Yeah, because they don't care about me. For yeah. God's sakes, they put my family. What what kind of balance is that? Yeah, and to me, I think those are the same things. The quiet quitting and disengagement, if that's even a word, is the same thing. So it's people effectively driving towards the minimum that they need to do to achieve the job which is in direct reaction to the fact that the minimum is being given to them. Yep. It's a yep. salary that is likely under what it should be. And to your point, very little concern or care for the human beings doing the work that drive the company. So at that point, again, you disengage because why? Also, why it's employee, the metric before quiet quitting this red herring thing became sexy was employee engagement was something that surveys measured yeah there were hr surveys gallup surveys that measured employee engagement and i think quiet quitting is representative of that factor that people disagree but the quitting is the thing this illusion that oh you've stepped over the bound you're not just you're not just unengaged or disengaged you you've quit or you may be doing something else. So it's like a different level of engagement or disengagement. And it's worse. But again, it's the driving forces, I think. And it's not just, I don't think it's just salary, Josh. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, agreed. agreed. I, I don't think it's just salary. I mean, the, like this company in Florida, I don't care how much money you give me. If you treat me like that, there's a life-threatening, look at the pictures. There's a life-threatening hurricane. You're... 
you're driving your butt out of town, but you have a different set of expectations. You've moved your family, you've moved your animals, you've moved your bank account, but but I want you right. You yeah. need to give you need to give us your all. There's a leader who's not walking their talk at all. They're a, they're a counter leader. And as a leader, the game has changed with COVID forcing so many companies, industries to be remote when maybe they weren't before. The opportunity I have as an employee to go find a job, to find a company, to find someone that will pay and take care of me in the way that I desire just drastically improved. So my likelihood, my comfort with quiet quitting and dialing it back because I know my options to go get something are better than if you're not aware and paying attention to that, that's your own damn fault, which it feels like there are many companies out there that think, you know, we are JP Morgan. You want to work for us without us. You have no life, which is absolutely wrong, but they have old school view. I think they've gotten away with that. Right. The fintech sector is indicative of these folks. They throw money, right? The golden half handcuffs mindset and things. And I think they've gotten away with that. And people have tolerated that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the good ones tolerate it and then they move on. But my hope is quiet quitting, this balance that I hope is happening is that it really impacts these companies. Like right. the companies who are paying competitive wages and taking care and have effective leadership are going to rise phenomenally. And these companies, no matter what their size is, it'll just take longer for their demise. But the JP, I'll pick on JP Morgan, but the JP Morgans of this world are gonna have real issues because they'll lose the good ones and they'll lose the good ones at an increasing rate. And mediocre folks might hang out and tolerate that stuff. To, but that again, it's they're go, it's going to create a competitive and innovation, a creativity imbalance in technology, in innovation work. And I, I hope they pay. They deserve to get rocked. They deserve stock prices to go down. They deserve their bonus structures to be impacted. They deserve to be. That CEO in Florida deserves to be fired for that event. She should be gone. She should be fired and gone, and they should be reevaluating everything in that company based on that leadership model. So let's take and wrap this up with best steps forward for each side of the table. As a leader, hopefully you're already ahead of the game and you have the awareness of everything that's changed in the world for your company, your employees, the market, the industry, whatever it might be, that if you're trying to pay And let me say compensate the same way you're going to lose. You have to understand that the opportunities presented to your, your employees has grown drastically. So how do you maintain a leader, a leadership position in I'm the place people want to stay and work. You already have them there. So they're already loyal to you for some reason. And so you have a leg up, but you have to, fight to maintain that. And I don't think people fight as hard as they should to maintain the leadership position that they have with the employees that they have there. They are more often focused on acquiring new talent as opposed to maintaining the existing talent. And that's where a lot of people end up losing. So I would say, you're right. I, I, I keep on a hammer on it's, it's sort of leadership plus comp, yeah. right? 
So it's both sides and leaders need to grow. This is, and both of these are challenging everyone. Right. So this is not a piece of, in fact, I think throwing money at people is easier than transforming the leadership culture that say at JP Morgan. So if I have throw a billion dollars and, and give everyone a bump and make them happier or put up some HR programs, that's just money. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just money. Changing the leadership mindset and culture that Jamie Dimon has has reinforced and flipping it so that it's different. It's more people-centered. It's more relationship-centered. It's more caring-centered. It's more balanced. It's more diversity-centered. It's more walking their talk. That's a real, both of those are challenging. I think the leadership change is the harder change for organizations to make. And they know that and they avoid it. They lean into the throwing money. Yeah. But both of those have to happen. And that's what's on the side of the table of the organizations. You really need that fundamental shift. So that when you're throwing money, you're doing it out of positivity. You're doing it right part of your overall strategy. And it's not just sort of a, a facade. On the people side, I think I would throw out that... Before we go to the people... Yeah. I want to make a grandiose statement. Oh, that. Oh, the, we need a sound effect. You need a sound effect. Oh, wait. A drum roll. <laughs> grandiose statement alarm. <laughs> yeah, that is a grandiose statement alarm. I, you already said it, but I want to really hammer it home that companies whose leadership does not make this transformation, they will die. It might not be a fast death, but it will be a slow death where they end up losing better talent and they are unable to keep up with competitors. So this is truly a fork in the road for many yep. larger, more established companies of you have a choice to make. We are going to adjust how we lead or we're going to put one foot in the grave. Yep. Well, example of just a grandiose example, GE, everyone. Look at the history. Jack Welsh, GE, 80s, 90s. Look at them today. It takes a while for a company of that size to die. And they're not dead yet, but they might as well be in, in many cases. They're not what they were at all. It's, that's that leadership conundrum. And that's only accelerating today. Right. Agreed. Okay, so over to the people side. So if you feel as if quiet quitting is either a thing you're doing or a thing that you might be thinking about doing, how do you handle that situation? What should you do? What are the options? I'd say be bold and be courageous. So I think historically folks have been afraid to look and gotten caught up. One of the things is years of experience and afraid of how many, how people were perceived. Oh, I've only been with the company yeah. this long, or I only have this much experience. Forget that. Now's the time you have a global audience. There is no better time to ask for your worth. If you don't know what you're worth, go find out. I think we've done a Metacast or two about this. Go find out what your worth is. Do some market analysis. Ask some peers. Do your best and just understand what the delta is. Understand what new hires are getting paid, if you can, versus what you're getting paid. So understand your worth and go get your worth. Don't just acquiesce and just tolerate the stuff. Get out there. The other thing I would say is sharpen your skills. So really do it. Don't be full of yourself and say, I am worth this just because. So not only assess the competitive landscape, assess your skills landscape. You may have some gaps that you have to address, but now is it, there's no better time to sharpen your skills, grow yourself, and then get the hell out of there and find a place that's gonna comp you appropriately. 
and then a place I would say that aligns with your mission and vision and your overall career goals and your humanity that honors you, that you feel proud to work with, independent of the comp. What do you think, Josh? No better time. There's a two-point plan that I have that I've used for much of my career and navigating wherever I wanted to go, however I thought I should be comped. It was that it is infinitely easier for an employee to get the pay and or title that they're after by changing companies. The annual raises, there's always these limits of a single digit percentage and you will have a boss say, yes, you are totally worth this, but I'm hamstrung because of the budget. I've got to limit it to this percentage. And like, it's just, I wish I could, but I can't. So again, that's one of those times where as a leader, you can't say you can't. You have to go figure that out. If you want to retain that person, you have to figure that out. I have always been comfortable bouncing sooner than many people felt I should, except at Teradata. You took the words right out of my brain. Yeah, exactly. Because I knew that was the most effective route for me to achieve my goals, whatever they, and admittedly, there were times where my goal was money. There were times where my goal was a title. It's not that now because I've achieved all of those things, but those were drivers for me. And I saw and believe that the most effective way to get there was to go find that next job and have somebody give me the opportunity right now, instead of waiting for something to open up in the company that I was in. And then second, if you aspire to be a leader within an organization and you're leaving to become a leader or a larger leadership role, remember that feeling that you have as a quiet quitter and don't allow your employees to feel that. So that's another thing that I've done is everywhere I've been, there have been policies or whatever that frustrated me. And I locked them away in my brain and said, I will never allow this to happen for my team or my company. So I ended up building a vision of who I wanted to be as a leader based on some of the frustrations I had in previous roles. I just wasn't going to let that happen. So lock all that away and use it for when you have the opportunity to be in that seat. I think you're doing everyone a disservice if you are quiet quitting. Again, I say it's a, or you're disengaged or you're low on the employee engagement factor. So you're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing the company any favors. You're not doing your colleagues any favors. It's a, what, and I'm not beating you up, but I'm just saying, so what's up with that? So there is no better time. I can safely say 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the market dynamics were different and we were huffed by companies. And there was a reality to that. Now I think the handcuffs are just mental handcuffs on the mm-hmm. part of employees. They're not physical handcuffs. There's, there is, I wish I was 30 or 35 now. I wish I was in this environment. This is an, this is, there is no better time to shut up and go find your bliss. Yeah. I just don't, I, I need, I want an air horn for that, Josh. Give me the air horn for oh, that. Air horn? Okay, okay, okay. That was, that was, that's the way I want to land. There is no better time than right now in time and space. Yeah. I, yes. I, a very real example of that is when I started my career 25 years ago and I left my first job after two years, 
both of my parents called me and said, what are you doing? You can't do this. You've got to stay at a company. Like you've got to show other employers that you're loyal. If you leave after two years, then it's just, you're never going to be able to get a job. And then as I evolved and started working and leading, as I was hiring people, there's a lot of folks that will look at a resume and say, has this person bounced around a lot? And gosh, that's a red flag. I view that as a green flag of, hey, like they're, they are willing to go get something. They are willing to fight and put themselves out there and do that and make those changes. So I actually value folks that do that. And then I would struggle with folks that had been somewhere for 10 or 15 years. How much do you want to drive change? How important is it for you to put yourself out there? Yep. And yep. make a difference versus I'm just going to like cruise along. Now, that doesn't mean that those people are bad. It's just that's a different way of approaching work than how I prefer to. So they're likely not going to be a fit for the team that I'm building. But that was a red flag versus the green flag. And on the people side, again, it's not only an opportunity to look, but it's an opportunity to change the interview dynamic. Yeah. If someone says, why are you leaving your current company? my God, now it's an open door. Share why. You know what? They really didn't appreciate them. Nice people, but they didn't challenge me. They had no vision, no market vision. They rode us like horses. They put us up. They treated us like commodities. I felt commoditized. I have so many ideas. No one listened to them or whatever it is. Have that conversation and say, and what are you looking for? This is exactly what I'm looking for here. Tell me how that's, tell me, does that resonate with you? And how are we going to collaborate? So it's not just looking for the money, et cetera. Think about the powerful conversations you can have talking about why you're moving and what you're looking for, and which would help you land in the appropriate place. I agree. I agree. Well, Bob, I think this is all that's left. Well, for you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Okay. Stop clapping. Thank you. Gosh. Sorry, I couldn't stop them. It's the audience. It's the audience. We bring them in from the street and you can't control yeah, them. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Do you feel like we did Are we it? done? Are we done? Yeah. yeah. So from beautiful virtual land, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>